0: Good morning, you may be seated. All right, you ready for some word associations? So here's the first word. The first word this morning is wedding. What do you think? The first thing that pops into your mind. The the one I heard most clearly last night was checkbook. (laughs) I love that one. Yeah, with three daughters, I, I can feel the pain. All right, here's another one. Marriage. All right, love, family, something else. All right. Commitment card, Commitment card. okay. Here's, here's one. Love. Infinity. Unconditional. What was that one? All right, good. How, how, one more, ready? Submission. Hard word, hard word. That is a hard word. In fact, that word reminds me of my friend Larry. When he was growing up in church, his pastor had a, had a problem pronouncing hard words, like the word Mephibosheth. I mean, there's just no way he was going to get that one out. So when he'd be reading the Bible and he'd get to Mephibosheth, he would just say hard word, and he'd keep reading. <laughs> and it's kind of like that with this word, isn't it? It's a hard word, and it's especially a hard word in our day-to-day because that word is so loaded And it's so much responding to the abuses that are around us. So when you hear that word, submission, yeah, you think a hard word. You think of subjection. You think of abuse. You think about mistreatment. You might think about an old boys club patriarchy that's been responsible for, you know, for abusing women verbally and sexually and physically and and economically and politically and emotionally for centuries across the world. You gotta like that world. That, that word makes me want to fight. That that word makes me want to put my dukes up and say, hey, not, not me, buddy. No way. Well, let me suggest to you that this hard word is a very good word. And it's not a word just for wives this morning. It's actually a word for all of us. Because we're all called in different relationships to yield in love like that. So we're going to be digging around in this whole concept, applying it specifically to wives as we take the second half of Ephesians 5, but let's just remember where we've been. We've been talking about our identity in Christ. We are the recipients of God's mission, where he sent his son to us, and through his mercy and grace, he's made us alive, he's changed our hearts, he's changed the direction of our lives. We're now a Christ follower, and our identity is completely rooted in Christ. We're the recipients of his mission, and, and now God says, I want you to live in such a way and walk in such a way that's, it's, that's worthy, that measures up to the calling that I've given you as my children, as my followers. And so the recipients we are become the instruments that we're to be in pushing forward the mission of God in this world. And so he says, hey, if we're going to do that as a church, we've got to be united. We have to walk in unity, because if we're not united, we have no nothing to say to a world that's not in right relationship with God. If we can't get it right with each other, it'll never happen to a watching world believing our message. He says not only do you need to walk in unity, we got to walk in integrity so that the words that we speak are matched with the lives that we live. We got to walk in integrity. Then he goes on to say we got to walk in love. Jesus said, "Hey, they'll know you're my disciples not because of how many Bible verses you've memorized, Because you love each other, by your love for each other. And then we studied in the last part of chapter, uh, earlier part of chapter 5, we've got to walk in the spirit, in the fullness of spirit. And that spiritual person, that person that's full of Christ's spirit, is a person whose life is marked by, remember that? Joyful praise, what we've just been doing. Gratitude, giving thanks in everything always. And submission, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So where we're going today, then, is the second half of Ephesians chapter 5. And, and we said last week that marriage is a reflection, all right? It's a reflection. Look at these beautiful pictures of, of couples and the reflections there in the, in the floor there in, in the pond. Beautiful. And, and we learned last week that our marriage is to reflect the greater relationship of Christ and the church, or of Christ and a Christ follower, And so the husband, as we love our wives, as Christ loved the church, well, we're pointing to the cross. As they look at our love, they're to get a glimpse of Jesus' love for us. And when they look at the bride, they're supposed to see how a Christ follower responds to Christ, even as they watch her responding to her man. And so marriage is a reflection, and marriage is part of God's mission. Your marriage is to be missional. It's so much more than about you. It's so much more than about your kids if God has given you children. It's about the neighbors who live on either side of you or down the hall because they're watching you. And your marriage is to be part of God's mission as you raise up godly kids and as you reflect the greater relationship in your marriage. That They get a glimpse and they get a little hunger for what you have by God's grace. So, for those of you who weren't here, and maybe your wife was here and she said, you should have been here. You better log on, buddy, and listen to that one. Or here, I bought it for you. Um, If if you weren't here last week, it's important that you hear just some key teaching points from last week's message, because they go together. We're talking about the wives today, but we talked to the husbands last week. And here's what we said. God calls the husband the leader He's the head of the wife. That that word head speaks of his leadership role. He's not the leader because he's better. He's not the leader because he's more capable. He's not the leader because he's superior than you. He's the leader because God says, that's what I want you to do, man. I want you to be the leader in your home. Then he goes on, he says, um, well, let me just say one more thing before I uh, talk about loving leader. One of the things that was really important last week, important that you hear today as we talk about the wives, men and women are created equal in God's Economy. In His creation, we are created equal. We are both created in the image of God. We are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We're equal brothers and sisters in God's family. We stand on the same ground before the cross. It's level ground. Okay, so it's really important that you hear that when we might see a different role, meaning maybe that means we're different in our essence. We're not different in our essence, there's just some different functioning going on, and He's asking the husband to be the leader. But the point that we went to last week is don't get too caught up with, i got to be the leader. What you want to get caught up in the text is you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Remember, we talked about indicatives and imperatives. The statement of fact in God's eyes is you're the leader. The question becomes, what kind of leader, man, are you going to be? And the command is be a loving leader. Be a loving leader like Christ. That means you die for her every day in all kinds of ways. It's a call to die, and it's not necessarily the 10 o'clock front page news type of dying that gets lots of attention, really dramatic, because you took the bullet for your wife. No, it's the everyday stuff in all of life, where you continue to put her life and her needs before your own. What we talked about last week, we talked about this, that loving our wives like this draws our wives to us. It's, that kind of love is magnetic, just as Christ's love as we understood it has drawn us to him. That kind of love, loving like Christ, also draws others to him. And that kind of love, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, hey, let's just be honest, guys, it's impossible in our own strength. And so it requires the everyday, continual filling of the spirit, whose spirit? Christ's spirit in me to love my wife like that. So that's where we were last week. So now we, we turn the page and we focus in on our wives, on the wife. Now, last week's teaching was this. When we look to Christ and we love like Christ, it, it furthers the mission of Christ. It points people to Christ. That's true for all of us, whether we're a husband or not. Today's teaching is when we look to Christ, specifically the cues for the, for the wife then is to look to the church, the Christ follower. When we look to Christ and when we yield like Christ, we further the mission of Christ. Now let me just say this. What we're talking about here today, especially what I just talked about, specifically the husband having a leadership role in the marriage, there are godly people that disagree. But we're going to talk about today about the wife surrendering, yielding her life willingly in love to her husband. People are going to disagree, not in saying that you don't do that, but the husband does that in the same way that the wife does, that, that they're equal. We submit to one another. There's mutual submission. There's mutual leadership. This idea of a husband being in a leadership role over his wife, that, that's patriarchal, and, and that's not what the Bible teaches. So you need to just know that godly people Disagree, And so when I teach this this morning, I want to teach it with that understanding. I want you to know that. And hopefully it's holding these things with humility, understanding that we disagree. Some of us in this room might disagree. But let me say this. It's not a point... In which we ought to separate fellowship, separate friendship over to say, hey, this is a core thing in the gospel, and you've got another position than I do, and so, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do. With it. That, that's not right. And too often in the church, we've separated over what I would call a minor issue. This is a minor. This is not central to the gospel. If you were to say, hey, I think there's a lot of different ways that a person can get right with God and get saved, It's not just through Jesus. It's through a lot of different ways. Now, to me, those are fighting words. Those are are words that's at the heart of the gospel. What we're talking about in marriage, today is not at the heart of the gospel. It has gospel implications. I think it's rooted in the gospel, but it's not something that we ought to divide over. So in light of that, let's just pray before we get into teaching, all right? Pray with me. So, Lord, our prayer is that we'd understand your word this morning through your spirit. Help us to understand it. And that your word would grace each life here this morning. And so help us, we pray, in our families and through our marriages to advance your mission in this community and in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so look at, in your Bibles, if you haven't opened up already, Ephesians chapter 5, we'll be reading verses 21 through 24. You can find that on page 829. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So the first teaching here is, Wise is as you're trying to get it right in your marriage, as you respond to your husband, what does that look like? The text here says, go go to the greater relationship. Go to the relationship that Christ has with his church and, and focus on that. And so if the husband's focusing on Christ and how to better understand how he relates to his wife, the wife is called to focus in on Christ's body, the church, a follower of Christ. Now, here's what we want to remember. This whole call to submission is rooted in the life of Christ. What did Jesus say? And it got him killed. He said, I and the Father are one. He claimed full equality with God the Father. That was blasphemous in the religious leaders' ears. And they picked up stones to stone him in his hometown of Nazareth, and they ended up nailing him to a tree outside of Jerusalem. He claimed equality with God. In fact, he is fully God. But he said, the night before he was crucified, agonizing over his impending death, Father, I really don't want to go through this. Is there any other way? But if there's not, I I want to do your will, not my own. That's what he prayed. Jesus modeled this submission to his Father. So you're taking your cues now from Christ's followers. That's clear there in verse 24. You see it? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. See, the church submitting to Christ. Now, as we think about it, let's, let's unpack this. The first thing he says is in verse 22 that when you submit to your husbands, you're doing it as to the Lord. Oh, that's a good teaching. In fact, that's a consistent teaching that comes to us whether we're a child how we relate to our parents or later in chapter 6 as we're an employee how we relate to our boss it's the same thing here when we do it to them those God has placed in leadership roles in our life here on the horizontal here on earth well guess what we're doing it as to the Lord and as we're doing it he says we're to do it in the same way that a Christian as a Christ follower follows and submits to Christ so that's a great question Before we start saying, how does this work out in your marriage? Let's just start saying, how does it work out and how did it work out in our own lives? When we were confronted with the claims of Christ, what does it look like to submit to Christ? in your life as a Christ follower? Well, I think it looks like this. We came to a realization by God's grace that Jesus is the son of God who died for our sins. We come to the realization that, man, we've made a mess of our lives and we need help. We need his rescue. And so our response was by the grace of God, You're my Lord. I want to surrender control of my life and place it in your hands. And when we did that, the call was not, hey, if you could just kind of work that out, at least one hour a week, I'd be happy. Now, we understood that he's Lord over all, king over all, the creator and sustainer of every molecule of this universe. And we said, Lord, we surrender all that we have and all that we know of right now, our entire lives, our minds, our bodies, our jobs, our marriages, our All that God has given us and all that we are, we surrender to him. As we start thinking about that, we start to get the cues then of how a wife submits to her husband as to the Lord. It's a sense of recognizing his role in your life. It's a sense of saying, yeah, in everything. Now, we're going to qualify that in just a bit. Your husband will never be able to trump God's word. So in everything means in all areas of my life. So I can't go into this marriage and say, hey, look, honey, I inherited a lot of money. And so I'm bringing this load of cash into our marriage. But that, that's mine, okay, just so we get that clear. That's mine. You do not have any responsibility and say over that. that that's my money. And, and the word saying no there, there's nothing like that in our lives where we say no it's, it's, it's my money it's my body it's my kids Or so, hey it's the sense of willingly saying my life in every area of my life is coming under willingly coming under your leadership just like a Christ follower does to Christ now when we think about how we submitted to Christ we realize that we did in response to understanding his love We did it in response to understanding his love, demonstrated when he took our place. When he took our place on the cross, we should have died as rebels, but he took our place on our behalf. So we look to Christ, and we do that to further the mission of Christ in our marriages. So we're focusing in on the Christian's response to Christ, the church's response to her Lord. Now he goes and he turns and he says, we need to yield like Christ to further the mission of Christ. Now, when we think about yielding, one of the things we need to say is this teaching here is not only rooted in the character and the behavior of Christ as he lived his life here on earth, fully equal with God, yet submitting himself to the Father's will. It's a call that we all have. In fact, all we need to do is just hang around the context of Ephesians five twenty-two through 24 and go back to verse 21 where it calls all of us to submit to one another in the body and family of Christ with reverence to Christ and in reverence to Christ. And the wives are called to do this. And the children are called to do this. And so what we understand is this is a call for everybody. This isn't a gender-specific thing. You go, oh, man, it is really a raw deal to be a Christ follower and be a woman. Or it's a really a raw deal to be a wife. No, it's not about a raw deal. It's about a calling. And it's not just a wife's calling is what I'm saying. It's every person's here calling. So let me give you the categories that we have in Scripture we're called to submit to God, James 4, 7. To governing authorities, Romans 13. Our church leaders, Hebrews 13. Husbands, as we've just been looking at. Parents as children in 6, 1 through 3. Employers, our boss in 5 through 9 of chapter 6. So we need to just understand it. This is a, a teaching that we don't go back and go, man, I'm glad I'm not a wife because, man, this is really hard stuff for them. No, it's, it's for all of us. And it is hard, but it's part of carrying forward the mission of God in this world. So let's talk a little bit about what is this? What is this concept here? Well, I think it's really important, first and foremost, to start off and say, well, what is it not? Because the misunderstandings are as numerous as the abuses of this. So let me just say a few things. The first thing that it's not, that is what submission is not, is becoming a doormat, wives, It's not about becoming a doormat. It's not about being trounced on and stepped upon. And one of the things we want to say is domestic violence and abuse is rampant in our day. 31% of all women in the course of their life will go through this. 30% of Americans say that they know of some woman who currently in the last year has been abused by a boyfriend or a husband. That is wrong. That is an affront to our holy God. That is something that is destroying our society and has no place within our families. And I would say to you, if there's any woman here this morning who's going through this, call us that we might help. And here's what I can tell you. You're never gonna hear a leader in this church say, hey, you just need to submit to your husband That's wicked, that's wrong, and we want to help you navigate through those difficult times. There's not a there's not an easy there's not like one answer I can say, well here's the answer, because it's complex in the relationships, but you come and you talk to us that we might enter in and help you. And so the abuses are numerous, and it's not becoming a doormat. We need to just understand that. The second thing is it's not blind obedience. Where, where your, your word, your husband's word is, is the most powerful authoritative word in your, in your life and so whatever he says goes. No, ultimately you're responsible. Wives, to Christ and his word. Ultimately all of us, that's our ultimate authority is God's word. And whenever someone in leadership over us calls us to do something that goes in contradiction with God's word, we know the answer so let's apply it in your marriage. Your husband is filling out the taxes this, week, this year and he says to you, man, we, 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 we can't pay, we can't pay it. And so I've, I've kind of fudged the numbers and it's going to be all right, but I need it's joint, joint return here, so you need to sign it. You, you're saying, you're saying, you, you fight, this is, we're lying here. I, I'm, I'm knowingly now signing a document that's false. I, I can't do it. So I don't, I don't care if he quotes you Ephesians 5.22 in the Greek. <laughs> His word doesn't trump you. You understand that? It's not blind obedience. Here's what the apostles said. They were caught in the same situation. The religious leaders pulled them in and said, hey, you guys are preaching about Jesus? No more of that. No more resurrection. No more crucifixion. Don't want to hear you preach about him. And they said, hey, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Here's the third thing it's not. It's not given to all men. It's really important that we see the context here. It's to your husband. There's one man who receives this, not every man. It's really important. Final thing here is it doesn't mean that your marriage becomes a monologue. Or you've lost your voice. You have no say. He just is the rule. He's the king. And whatever he says goes. No, it's not like that at all. And the wise husband, man, listen to me. The wise husband is drawing his wife out. You got major decisions? You listen to your wife. Lori and I made this deal early in life. On all major decisions, it's always, we call it double green lights. We both got to feel like this is what God's calling us to do. If it's not double greens, we don't go. And I remember first coming out of seminary and we were going to different churches candidating and we kept coming up with different lights. I'd have a green and she'd have a red and she'd have a green and I'd have a red. And it wasn't until we had double greens and it was clear looking back, wow, did God save us from stuff. The wise husband draws out his wife, wants to hear her wisdom. We all know it, men. Our wives see things we never see. We are very flat-sided times. They're intuitive on things. The wise husband draws his wife out. The wise husband realizes there are things that my wife can do far better than me, and they delegate areas of leadership and say, take the lead there, please. Please do that. It's a wise husband. But what it's not, marriage is not a monologue. So what is it? Well, let's look at the dictionary's definition first of all. First of all, to commit to the discretion or decision of another or of others, to yield, to surrender. That's right out of Webster on the web. Here's how I like to put it. It is willingly placing myself under someone's leadership. A key word there is willingly. So let's talk a little bit about what it is. First and foremost, it's a willing choice. It's a matter of your will. That means, husbands, you can't force your wife to respond like this. In the same way, uh, wives, you can't force your husband to love you. It's a willing choice that you make. And it reminds us that that's exactly how it was with Christ. I mean, you think about it. When we read the Gospels, we don't ever read something like this when Jesus was starting his 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 ministry. It would be a mystery if it started like this. And there Jesus was on the border of the Sea of Galilee and he saw some fishermen and he camped out in the bushes till it got dark and then he grabbed them tied them up and kidnapped them and made them his followers (laughs) didn't say that he's walking along the sea and he sees Peter, James, John they're fishing he said hey guys you fish for fish join me I'll make you fishermen he goes up to to Levi, Matthew the tax collector and said hey Matthew hey why why don't you give up the money purse why don't you come and follow me and then they remember there's a rich young ruler He wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus knew exactly where the rub was going to be in his life. And it was money. He says, here's what you got to do. Sell all you have and give it to the poor. The guy turned away. He decided not to follow Jesus. It is a choice to become a Christ follower. It is a choice to willingly lead, willingly follow your husband's leadership. The second thing is, when we do this, we're yielding out of love. It's because we love Christ and responding to his love that we want to do that. And we yield out of love for Christ and for our husbands, placing ourselves under their leadership. It's a call to die. Just like the husband's to love his wife as Christ loves the church, this whole idea of yielding and willingly yielding your life to your husband's leadership is just like that. A call to die. Marriage has never been a 50-50. You bring 50, he brings 50, and wow, you got the real deal. No, it requires 100% from you, men, and it requires 100% from you, wives, and the trajectory of your lives is this continually giving up yourself for each other. My life for yours. Loving your wife as Christ loved the church giving yourself up now, wives, to your husbands. And when you get down to the text at the end, when he sums it all up in verse 33, one of the interesting things that happens here is Paul switches the words. He moves from the word submit that he's used now a few times here, and he changes it to respect. You see that? However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. That was a summing up of the husband's teaching. And the wife must, not should, not if you could, but must Now he changed the word, respect, her husband. That word respect is the same word that we'll have when it's translated reverence. In relationship to God, reverence for God. In relationships with each other, it's the word respect. Now, I don't know if you remember the song. It's about 40 years old now. Do you remember it? Aretha Franklin? Oh, yeah. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. Oh, yeah. Don't you love that? now you think about that that's right at the height of the women's movement and man so many great things have happened through that but you know who actually wrote that song otis redding did two years before he wrote it to his wife he said hey babe i just need a little respect and aretha said i do too and we all do wives this is an important teaching because i think what it does is it says hey it's not just about your behavior it's actually about your heart and about your attitude. And, and, and your heart's disposition becomes evident through your words. The husband, you're, you're called to respect your wife. Peter says that in 1 Peter 3, 7. Just as wives are called to respect their husbands. Now, there's this really good book. It's called Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich. And he's got this great little thing. He calls it the respect test that he gives the wives. And it goes like this. All right, wives... I want you to think of some things that you respect about your man, about your husband. And at the opportune time, having noted those, you you say to your husband, hey, honey, you know, I've just been thinking about you. I've been thinking about a lot of things that that I really respect about you. And I just want to say, I respect you. And then he says, what I want you to do, right immediately after you said that, find a reason why you need to leave the room. And there's the test. See what his response is so lady said man I didn't even get to the door and my husband said well what do you, what things what things do you respect about me well she was ready so she she listed him off and his response was wow he's just completely blown away and then she became blown away by his response hey honey can I take the family out for dinner tonight Well, it didn't work out. There were some schedule conflicts. And so 10 minutes went by, and the next thing, she heard some banging going around in the kitchen. He's cooking dinner. She says, he's never cooked dinner once in our entire married life. She writes two weeks later. He's in the laundry room. He's doing the laundry. I can't believe it. He's in the laundry room. She says, you got any more of these respect tests? I think I could get a cruise out of it if I keep going. (laughs) So the question is, What's going on here? What's going on here? Her loving respect triggered his loving service. And that's the beautiful teaching in this text. Now, the truth is, you can't change your husband and you can't change your wife, but you can have a huge, profound influence on them. And the teaching of this text is this. Husbands, when we love our wives like Christ loved the church, our, lo- our wives will, will gladly Show loving respect And as they show loving respect We will gladly continue to show A life of service and love But here's the converse Without love It triggers a response without respect And it keeps going around and around Emerson calls it the crazy cycle And some of us are there The crazy cycle And it's killing our lives and our marriages It's about respect And so it begs the question Why is do your words, does your heart, your attitudes show respect to your man? Does he know that? And what are the ways to show it? I, I think primarily it's, it's through your words. It's through your appreciation for things like his work and his leadership, his desire to just kind of analyze things. And it drives you crazy sometimes. I always wanting to fix things, problem solving. His desire for your friendship and intimacy. Th- those are huge. And I think of the converse, a negative spirit. That just is crushing a man's heart. Critical. Always comparing him with someone else. I wish you were more like that. Those, those things are damning to your husband. And so in the marriage relationship, God has given you a great opportunity, wives, to grow closer as a couple. So listen to this clip from the newest uh, Evan Almighty. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? I got to run. A lot of people to serve. Enjoy. And I got to believe there's just a bunch of us that go, man, we were so close. We were so close and we are so far away. I wish we had that. And you've been praying for that. And that clip is exactly right. God's given us opportunities. To draw close husbands as we love our wives like Christ. Wives as we willingly yield and respect our husbands. It's huge teaching here. Well, let's do the last one here, what it is. What it is, too, is ultimately, we've already said this, it's doing it as unto Christ. And and here's what we learn here, is when we don't yield to people that God's placed in leadership roles in our life, we're really not yielding. To Christ, This truth just came crashing through in my life about 10 years ago, 1996, at Soldier Field. I was in line waiting to go to Promise Keepers. And as I'm in line, I could hear the loudspeaker system. They're saying, no beverages, no food allowed in the stadium. And I'm thinking, wow, the park districts, they're really going to be working the concessions today. And it was a hot, its going to be like today, just a hot 90s degree day humidity. And I had a big old water bottle, my backpacking water bottle, full of ice cold water. So I figured, hey, they're saying you, got, you can't bring in beverages. So I just, you know, I empty it, put it back in my pack. I get up to the front, and there's an anti-frame usher. You got anti-frames? Do we have that here in Madison? Anyway, anti-frames, they're the guys that work the stadiums and all the sporting events in Chicago. So he's, you know, he's in his little blue uniform and he says, what's in your bag? I said, well, I got my Bible, I got my notebook and I said, and my empty water bottle. He says, well, you're gonna have to throw away the water bottle. I'm saying, what do you mean I gotta throw away my water bottle? Sure enough, I look over to my left. There's a four foot mountain of water bottles. But what he doesn't understand is this is my backpacking water bottle. I mean, I've taken this thing to the top of 14ers in Colorado and he's wanting me to just treat this like a piece of junk, like a, an ordinary Dasani or Evian bottle over here on the heap. I'm thinking, no way this is my, I love this water bottle. A lot of memories. But hey, the only way in was to get rid of the water bottle. So I, I threw it on the pile. And I walked in. I did the right thing. But let me tell you, inside, there was some serious rebellion going on. And man, I was giving this guy the riot act in my mind. You know, you, get, you put a uniform on and you're just on some authoritarian ego trip. And I, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm really in the spirit now walking into Promise Keepers. All of a sudden, I'm, I mean, I didn't hear anything. I didn't feel anything, but I can tell you for sure. The Lord just said, he just tapped me on the shoulder. and said, hey, buddy, your problem's not with the guy at the gate. Your problem's with me. You still have lots of pockets of rebellion. And the fact that you're having a hard time with him is just an indication it's still not right with me. That's really an important teaching here. You're going, well, you don't know my husband. I'm saying, you haven't heard the teaching. Fundamentally, it's not about your husband. Fundamentally, it's not about your parents. Fundamentally, it's not about your boss. It's not about the cop that pulled you over for going two well over on the, on the belt line. Does that happen? <laughs> it's, about, it's about Christ. And that's an important teaching in this whole teaching that the scriptures give us about submission. And here's a temptation for us wives. It's just like the temptation for husbands that you want to dominate your man, that you're going to want to seize control because we like to be in control. We don't like to not be in control. It's a fearful thing. What's he going to do? And some of us have been jockeying for position from the day you met, wanting to lead, and so you dominate. The other is you've gotten so pummeled in the fight or he's so dominating that you've just disconnected. You've disconnected emotionally. You've disconnected physically, and there's a grand canyon between you and your man. Those are the temptations. What this looks like in a marriage is this. Two people saying, you first. You first. Two people whose eyes are riveted on Christ. And as they continue to grow to be more like Christ, they actually are growing closer together. Two people that are committed to furthering the mission of God in their marriage and embracing that wholeheartedly. Two people understanding that, hey, this is an unconditional call. Not just when I feel like it, not just when he deserves respect, not just when she deserves to be loved, but it's an unconditional call. Two people who understand that they fall short in these areas and they go to each other and say, hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Two people who understand that without the Spirit's work in our life, fullness in our life, we'll never love like Christ and we'll never submit like Christ so that the two of us in our marriage might continually look to God, look to his son, love like him, and yield like him, so that we might further his mission. Let's pray. So Lord, that's our prayer. That in our lives, we would see you as Lord, and we'd live out our lives and all the relationships you've given it as unto you. So encourage and strengthen the marriages here today. Give them hope as they seek change and desperately desire the connection and closeness that maybe they once had or maybe they've never had. May they find it in you as they follow your teaching here in your word. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.